Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 85 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Veronica. Veronica lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and she is a nurse practitioner in a sleep medicine practice. Welcome, Veronica. Did I say that right? The part about the sleep medicine is sleep medicine practice? Yes, you did. That's perfect. Well, good. Now, I want to pick your brain about sleep while I have you here later on in the conversation because I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with, not just intermittent fasters, but people in general, you know, so <laughs> you certainly know all about that, but welcome. And you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting? First of all, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to be talking to you. My story sort of starts that I was a very thin teenager, thin growing up, thin teenager. I actually used to run in high school. And 
everything seemed to be going okay until I got into college. I gained a little bit of weight in college, kind of the freshman 15. That was probably healthy for me. It wasn't that bad. After I had my first son, I actually was in nursing school. Actually, I was already a nurse, but I was working night shift during the time I got pregnant with him. So that sort of kind of messed things up. I I think I had started gaining a little bit of weight during that pregnancy. And I basically worked night shift, 12-hour shifts the whole time I was pregnant with him. And then after I had him, I gained quite a bit of weight during the pregnancy, probably more than I should have, which is kind of a common thing. You know, people gain a lot of weight. I think especially if you're somebody who was, you know, you've, you've kind of been careful about your eating before that, but then you're pregnant and you get that whole mindset of, I'm eating for two. Right. Yeah. And I did that. <laughs> I did. And they tell us not to do that, but, but we still, I mean, I don't know, maybe they didn't used to tell us not to do it as much as they do now, but I really, I embraced that. I'm like, baby wants this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Same exact thing. Yeah. And, and one of the other things is I actually had morning sickness pretty bad. So I was actually not eating a lot of the day. And then whenever I finally had an appetite, I think I was eating extra because I was worried. So anyways, everything was really messed up. So how much did you gain during that pregnancy? Probably, I probably gained about 50 or 60 pounds and I'm 5'3". So I'm not a very tall person. <laughs> I think I gained 40 with my first and yeah, it, you just really feel it. Yeah. Yeah. So had my first child and then basically about two years later, I became pregnant with my second son. And during that pregnancy, I was actually pre-diabetic. I had some borderline gestational diabetes is what they called it. And they wanted to put me on insulin. Well, if I really go back in the story, you know, I told you I was a thin teenager, but my parents, all my entire family, we're all Hispanic. We have diabetes everywhere. My grandparents, both of my parents have diabetes. Pretty much all my grandparents have diabetes type two. So that really scared me. Here I am, you know, I'm pretty young, about 30 years old on this pretty strict diet. Dietitian comes to my house and I'm a nurse all this time and they have me eating all day long. And anyways, so I do what they tell me to do. I didn't have to get put on insulin, thank goodness, but I had my son and I actually didn't gain as much weight during that pregnancy because I couldn't. I was keeping it. I think I gained about 25 or 30. But after I had him, I just struggled so much with my weight after that. I struggled for years, basically, after that. So the pregnancies were really your your turning points with the weight. Exactly. And then after that, basically, I tried Weight Watchers, and that's when I started to get on the, the diet roller coaster, as we all talk about I had done Weight Watchers and I was successful, but I felt like I was starving on Weight Watchers. Every time I did it, I felt like I was literally starving. And so anyways, you know, my kids are older now. My older son is a senior in high school. He's graduating in a couple months and my younger son's a freshman. But I got to about 40 and I had been struggling on that diet roller coaster basically for about 10 years. Here I am. I was a nurse for 15 years and then I've been a nurse practitioner for five years And so schooling kind of caused some stress in my life too and different things. But basically, about 40 years old, I'm trying everything again. And I'm just trying to lose weight and I'm frustrated. And I'm sitting in my living room, literally, and I'm saying, listen, I'm telling my husband, I'm a nurse practitioner. I've been a nurse for 15 years. Why can't I figure this out? And I was literally 
in tears. I was literally in tears. I was eating six times a day. I was meal prepping. I, I actually got a little emotional now just talking about it because I was in a bad place. <laughs> and, you know, I know it's especially hard for you as someone who's in the health community, you're helping patients, but you've watched your parents and your grandparents struggle and you're seeing this all spiraling out of control. And yet everything you quote know and have been taught how to manage this is not helping you. Right, exactly. And I'm doing everything. I mean, counting calories. You're doing it all by the book. Yeah, doing what they tell you, you know. And I had spent a lot of money too on diets and lots of things. And I just like, this is just crazy. And so I actually had started a ketogenic diet probably about three days or four days before this. And part of why I was feeling miserable is because I was probably, I just didn't do very well on that. Oh yeah. What year was this? When was that, that you were starting that, the ketogenic? Actually, it'll be two years that I've been following intermittent fasting on March 12th. So 2018, I think it was. Okay. So I'm just trying to get a little context there. So 2018, you had started doing some keto, but that's when you kind of had that meltdown. Yeah, I had a meltdown. (laughs) So I said, okay, I got to stick to this keto thing. Well, later when I started researching, so that's what I did. I said, I got to figure this out. I'm a nurse. I'm going to go research. So I started researching one, the ketogenic diet and realized that I was following all this Pinterest diets and I was doing it. I was just eating a lot of cheese and stuff that was making me feel sick. And then I came across your book. I think it was on Pinterest or something. Delay, don't deny. And then I, I had done a bunch of research that people on the ketogenic diet do this intermittent fasting thing. So I basically bought your book and then I read it and it just, everything just made sense to me for the first time in my life. And then going back to everything about hormonal, you know, that all of this really started in my life when my hormones started getting wacky and it just all made sense. So that's basically what brought me. It's kind of a long story, but that's kind of what brought me to intermittent fasting almost two years later. Well, you know, that's what's so exciting when You know, I have a lot of friends who are nurses, and when they read Delay, Don't Deny, it was the same exact thing. They're like, oh my gosh, how have I missed this connection all this time? And some of them also struggled with some of the same types of things, you know, the type 2 diabetes themselves or being insulin resistant. And then you read it and you're like, oh, you know, you realize it's, first of all, it's not your fault. That's the most freeing part of it all is really For all of us, even people who start intermittent fasting and then still struggle to lose weight, because there are definitely people, they start intermittent fasting, it's not a magic bullet even even so. Even though it's amazing, they don't just have the weight fall right off. But we can all understand that it's not our fault. Even someone who is not being successful with intermittent fasting, it is still not your fault. And there's something going on in your body that's preventing you from from tapping into that stored fat, something. But I think we can all be detectives and figure it out. Right, right. And by this time, I was very insulin resistant. I actually probably weighed more than 200 pounds because I stopped weighing myself once I got close to 200. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. I, I, did, I didn't weigh for a long time. And then when I got on and it said 210, I was like, uh-oh. Right, right, Yeah. Basically, I stopped weighing, and I, I don't know if I were to estimate, I was probably probably about two fifteen, maybe five three. So, what happened then? You you found you found intermittent fasting, and you just jumped right in. What did you do? How did you adjust? 
So basically, I decided to start with an eight-hour window. So I did a 16-8, but I did that for about two or three days, and then I shortened to a six-hour window. And then probably by the end of the week, I pretty much went to one meal a day. I have my journal here, and I was looking back at it, and I it was pretty hard the first week, but I was surprised with how easy it was to go to one meal a day. And I started reflecting and thinking back when I was in high school and I was an athlete. I never actually ate breakfast. My mom never liked to eat breakfast much. She was always thinner too before. And I just was never ready for breakfast in the morning. My stomach was never ready for it. I felt nauseous. I felt like when this whole breakfast is the most important meal of the day came about, I used to force myself to eat breakfast. So finally, here I am just eating one meal a day in the evening. And I was—I just felt like this feels normal to me. This feels like what I felt like when I was younger. This was so natural to my body. And I didn't really have a lot of problems. I was surprised with how easy it was. And I basically stayed one meal a day for about a year. About a year is how long I did that. And I've played with my fasting since then. So over that year, as far as weight loss goes, you weren't really sure how you start what you were when you started because you weren't weighing, which I totally get. Did you start weighing when you were doing intermittent fasting? Okay, so tell us about that a little bit. So basically, before I started intermittent fasting, also, I mean, of course, I did keto. I had cut out sugar and I tried to cut out processed foods and diet soda. So right about when I first started intermittent fasting, I decided I was going to take measurements. So I did that. And I weighed approximately 198, 199 pounds when I got on the scale when I started. So you took your measurements. Now, when you began intermittent fasting, you were doing keto at the time. Did you keep up with the keto? Did you continue it? No. When I read your book, I just said, I'm only going to worry about doing this one thing. I'm not going to try to worry about counting macros or calories. That was just insane to me. So it was actually kind of fun. When I first started the OMAD, I did what I know a lot of people in the Facebook groups talk about this and it's a little frustrating for them, but I pretty much said, I'm going to eat what I want when I open my window and I'm going to make sure that I get you know healthy food. But in the beginning, I pretty much ate all the foods that I really enjoyed. I ate my one meal. I, I probably had a three to five hour window and I ate whatever I wanted until I was satisfied in that window. And I pretty much started losing weight pretty fast. I was pretty insulin resistant. Like I said, I had a lot of signs of insulin resistance. I had a lot of abdominal fat. I had darkening of the skin and it's called acanthosis nigricans on my neck and under my armpits. I had lots of signs of that. And so I pretty much responded to fasting faster than I imagined. I didn't lose a ton of weight, but I I think I lost like eight pounds the first, I don't know, three weeks. And it it wasn't... That's pretty remarkable. (laughs) Yeah, it was really good. I think I had a lot of water that shed, but over the year, I've been doing this two years and it, it has really slowed down and I've had some plateaus and we could talk about that, but I feel like losing the weight slowly and keeping it off is a better way to go. That that was just, I think I had so much water weight that I just needed to shed. So I, I did respond pretty quickly and then it slowed down considerably after that. But I did, I felt amazing. I did everything I wanted to do. I started baking bread. I think I posted pictures in the <laughs> Facebook groups. I drank beer. My husband and I enjoy going to the local breweries here where I'm from and 
I did all of those things. And then, like I said, about a year into it, I realized I was kind of hitting hitting a plateau and I, I wasn't quite where I wanted to be. So I've done this now two years almost. And I've done different things like delayed alcohol and delayed different things. I, mean, I guess my diet has really changed over the years as far as food preferences. I can't go to McDonald's anymore. I've done it a couple times when my kids have had out of town tournaments. I know I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. That's okay. No, it's absolutely fine. They do not sponsor my podcast. I have no affiliation with them. You can say McDonald's all the time. <laughs> but you you just couldn't. You tried to eat it and it just did not. No. And there and there's a lot of things that over the years, I remember this was pretty early in my journey, maybe, I don't know, three months or four months. I remember making some spaghetti with like some sauce that I usually did. And I just remember starting to taste everything so differently. And I, I was like, this doesn't taste right. No, it tastes artificial and gross. Now, I've never lost my taste for a Big Mac and McDonald's fries. So that is really sad to say, or maybe it's good to say, I don't know. That I never lost my taste for, but it doesn't satisfy me. So that's the difference. I still like the taste of it, but after I'm done eating it, I'm like, well, now I need some real food. My body does not recognize that as a nutritious meal, but I sure do still like it. <laughs> but I, I never, never go there. I mean, it's very rare. There's other fast food places that I could eat. There's just certain things. I still could eat the fries and they're okay. I think it was a chicken sandwich that I had eaten and it, I just couldn't do it. And after that, uh, but there's lots of other fast food places that I can still eat and tolerate now. And I, every now and then I will, but I was just surprised with how my body, my taste, my flavors changed over time. Yeah. The thing that surprised me the most was pizza, takeout pizza. I could eat any takeout pizza, even like Little Caesars. I could eat Papa John's. I could eat Pizza Hut. And now, mm -mm, none of those. To have It has to be window-worthy pizza. So I get it. And it's really sad sometimes when you try something that used to be a favorite and you realize it just isn't going to cut it. Well, and that's how I feel like what you just said about eating fast food is it's more about there's certain other places I've gone and it tastes really good. I don't feel bad about it after I eat it, but it does leave me feeling hungry later. And the foods are so hyper palatable that I just am not satisfied. So I'm looking for things after. So I'm not perfect. I've had, I mean, I've been doing this two years and I basically have tried different intermittent fasting protocols and I've, I eat all sorts of foods. And that's one thing, you know, you, you can't be perfect. This is, this is America. And sometimes my kids have things and we're traveling, but in the end, I feel like now I have the tools to really, to keep my weight down. And I have the tools to finally, this all makes sense. If that makes sense. So how much have you lost overall? You say you've been doing this for two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've probably lost the last time I weighed because uh, I don't like to weigh myself because it really messes with me. The last time I weighed was in July and I weighed about 154 pounds or so. So I kind of just say I've lost approximately 50 pounds, which is probably like 48 or something. But I just say I've lost approximately 50 pounds. Why I don't weigh, like I said, I just I prefer to take measurements. I think pictures are really good. I think that I have this shirt. There were some pictures that I really hated of myself when before I started fasting. And I have that same shirt and I've taken a picture with that shirt and I've posted them on the Facebook groups. And that is really 
a lot more telling than weight. And weight just really messes with my head. If I get on that scale, no matter really what it says, it just messes with me. So I just try to avoid it. (laughs) I get it. I never want to know my weight ever again. And that might sound crazy, but I mean, there's a part of me that's curious, but you know, if I went to the doctor tomorrow, I would tell them, I don't want to know. I just, I will get up there. Don't tell me because just like you said, I think it would mess with my head. I'm in a really good place. I've been maintaining this weight for, we're recording this in March, even though it doesn't come out until June, but I'm about to hit the five year anniversary of when I hit my goal weight. That's a long time, but I guarantee if I stepped on the scale and saw a number and it was higher than I thought it should be, I would start doing diet things. Right, right. And I remember your story that you threw out your scale. Yeah. And I just, you know, I don't want to get caught up in that again. You know, I want to trust my honesty pants. And I I knew over the holidays, over December, I was more relaxed with my wine and cheese windows. I've talked about this before on the podcast. My honesty pants got a little tight. I don't know what the scale did because I don't weigh, but I was like, oh, honesty pants are a little tight. I know what it is. I always know. Tightened that up a little bit. You know, then now my honesty pants are loose. I actually mentioned it to my husband. I was like, "Did you? he's like, yeah, I noticed. I'm like, why didn't you say something to me? <laughs> but it was very easy to correct because I knew what it was. But, you know, and because I didn't see a number, I don't know, maybe it was a five pound swing. It doesn't matter. Right, right. Yeah. I know. I remember your story that you told, you've told a bunch of times. I've listened, I listened to both of your podcasts, of course. And I just, you know, I just want to encourage people that there's no wrong way to do it. Some people use that scale for feedback and it's, it's the perfect way for them to stay accountable. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think whatever you choose to measure your progress is fine. Like I said, Pictures are really good. Measurements, if you do the weight, you know, I recommend like you have recommended to do the average, the the way you recommend that. And really, in the end, it's really go by how you feel. Because I really did start this as a way to lose weight. And it was not just to lose weight. I was on a mission to save my own life, basically. I did not, I wanted to stop the cycle of diabetes in my family. And I am a healthcare professional. And I said, I really have to figure this out. I don't want to be diabetic. I don't want to be on medications. And that's why I did it. And in the end, you know, I've lost approximately 50 pounds, I say, but two years later, I can't imagine living any other way. I mean, even if I don't lose another pound, I'm kind of stuck right now. I'd like to lose a little bit more, but I couldn't go back to living that way anymore. (laughs) I feel so good. Just today, just right before I got on here with you to to talk, somebody in in one of the groups was talking about how she hadn't lost weight and she was about to quit. And I was like, first of all, really sad for her. And I'm like, I don't understand the the whole idea. I know when I started, it was just for the weight loss. And if I hadn't, you know, back when I would try it in the past before I was doing the daily weighing with weekly averaging, I would always quit. But I'm like, now I can't imagine quitting because of the health benefits now that we know so much about it and, you know, the way you feel so good. So I I really just want to encourage everybody to shift your thinking. If the weight loss is not happening for you, and that's why we came, you know, we came for the weight loss, but we stick around for the health benefits and how great we feel. Right, right. There's so many health benefits that I've noticed. Tell us about those for you. I know you talked about 
you know, the insulin resistance. You, you mentioned that you had the darkening of the skin, the abdominal fat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The abdominal fat is pretty much gone. I mean, I still have some. I have lots of fat. We, like, we all have fat. But I don't have this protruding abdomen, and I'd have to look at my measurements. But I know I've lost several inches off of my waist. I don't have the darkening skin. So all of the signs of insulin resistance are pretty much gone. I did go to the doctor probably about six months ago. And I had all my lab work. I was pre-diabetic, actually. Prior to starting for two years, I had been in the pre-diabetic range on my hemoglobin A1C. And about six months ago, I went um, established care with a new nurse practitioner who's my doctor, who's my provider. And she, you know, did all the lab work and everything went into the normal range. I think my cholesterol levels, my LDL was it's like borderline a little high, but it was nothing significant to worry about. But my hemoglobin A1C is in the normal level. I think I've dropped, I can't remember, I'd have to look at it, but I, I know I'm in the, the very normal I'm no longer pre-diabetic. And- yeah, you're not even close to that range. You're like normal. See, that's what's so thrilling. Because you saw the trajectory that was happening by looking at your own family. You saw with your parents and with your grandparents, that was going to be you. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> and I don't want to go there. <laughs> what a great feeling. So anything else, any other health benefits besides those amazing ones that you just shared? I think that my skin is healthier. I used to break out sometimes on occasion. When I was when I was in college, I broke out a lot, but my skin is smooth. My hair is healthy. I just feel energy. I remember I used to crash at about three. I mean, and I would crash hard. <laughs> I would be at work and I could just feel all the energy would drain out of my body. I had to get coffee. I almost couldn't function. And I, I remember there was a guest and she's on the podcast and she talked about, gosh, what was her name? I can't remember her name. She's a funny, funny, funny gal. And she was on one of the earlier podcasts, but she would talk about coming home and just biting her whole family's head off. <laughs> was it Jitha? Yes, Jitha. Yeah, Jetha. We love Jetha. Yeah. And so I would have kind of that. I'd have these mood swings in the evening. I'd crash and I'd feel just so crazy. I don't get those anymore. My mood is really stable now. I don't think that I would ever say I was depressed. But after I got on this lifestyle and I look back, I'm like, I think I was a little depressed and I didn't know it. But I just felt so drained physically, mentally all the time. And now I just don't feel that. I I make it through my day. I have the same sort of stable energy level all day. Of course, by the evening when I'm home and I'm ready to go to bed, I'm ready to go to bed. But I kind of maintain this energy level throughout the day that it just is shocking to me. (laughs) It's shocking to me. That really is my favorite part, the energy, the sustained energy, the ability to just keep going and not having those crashes and those draggy times. That's really, to me, I can't imagine giving that up. I know, I know. And then one of the other things I did when I had started the fasting, I I basically also stopped working out because I was working out. I was doing those high-intensity interval training, and I, I think I was overworking out. I was trying to run. I was killing myself, and nothing was working. So I basically stopped working out completely in the beginning. And then probably about six months in, I added in yoga. I had never done it before, something I wanted to do. And I 
I do that now and I feel like that is really in line with an intermittent fasting lifestyle. I think that they kind of, the ideals of yoga and fasting kind of line up. I think one of the things that intermittent fasting overall has really helped me to do is it kind of helps you to quiet everything else in your mind and your body that's going on in your body, really, that's going on. Because when you're eating all day, you can't think about anything. You're just, I don't know, it just sucks the life out of you, I think. Well, your body is directing all of those resources to digestion. And also, for me, my mind was always occupied with what to eat, when to eat it. So yeah, it's both your mind and your body were occupied with the the process of being in that fed state all the time. Yes. And I don't miss that at all. Those when I did Weight Watchers and counting calories, it makes you more obsessed about food than what you would be without being on a diet. You're just constantly obsessed with, oh, I got to get this many calories or I got to get this many points. Right. You know, it, I was just obsessed with it. And so fasting just freed me from that completely. And it, it really does allow me to really take a look at and, and listen to my body on a daily basis. That hasn't gone away two years later. I mean, now there's sometimes I'll eat something and I'm like, huh, my stomach felt a little weird. And I'm still trying to kind of track that. I feel like I'm not perfect. I'm still learning every single day about my body two years later. and But I feel like I have that ability to listen, to listen to what my body is telling me. And there's just nothing like that. Yeah. And people who are new just really sometimes don't get it. Like somebody the other day, they're brand new and they they said, I'm so confused by listening to your body because I'm told to listen to your body, but then I'm also told to push through the hunger. So which is, <laughs> and so I'm like, well, when you're first starting out, your body is going to lie to you. It's going to try to get you to feed it when you're trying to, to fast because you're not adjusted to the fasting. And so your body's like, feed me, feed me, because it's used to the quick energy. It's once your body adjusts to the fasting, then you'll be able to hear those signals. You know, even today, all these years in, there are some days that I have a different kind of hunger and you can't really explain it. But when you do, you know it's different and you're like, I'm going to go ahead and eat today even though it's noon and I'm going to have two meals and that's okay. You can tell. And so people who are new, trust us. You'll be able to tell eventually, not at first. Yes, trust us. It's true. (laughs) Yep. I would not push through shakiness or like nausea. Don't push through those because that could be low blood sugar as your body's adjusting. But later, just a little mild wave of hunger. Yes, push through that a different kind of hunger, you'll learn to recognize it. Yes, yes. And it's hard to explain to new people until you've been doing it a little bit and you and, it, and you feel like, oh, okay, this is what it feels like to be really hungry. And- yep. And all the time before when we thought we were hungry and it was really just, you know. <laughs> and it's not the stomach growl. People also that are new think that every time your stomach growls, that means you're hungry. But it's really... That's just a mechanical action, and you just keep on going and let it growl. And Right, right, exactly. Yeah. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. 
Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So in your practice with, I told you I'd want to talk about the sleep again, or go back to that. But when you work with patients, do you ever talk about fasting with them? So I didn't in the past because, you know, it's so against the grain. And But I've done lots of research. And as you know, intermittent fasting has become a lot more mainstream. And I have to rely on all the research that I've done. So yeah, I, I think that I am cautious because they're, you know, sometimes I kind of get a feel for the patient when I'm talking to them, but I've recently started talking to them more about, well, I, I talk to patients about weight loss because I deal mostly with patients with obstructive sleep apnea. That's my main patient population. And once we kind of get them settled on their CPAP machine, then at follow-up visits, you know, I do talk about, you know, we want to try to get people to get into an ideal body weight whatever that means, because sometimes I'm like, well, what does that mean? (laughs) But that will help with their sleep apnea and sleep helps. So I have started talking to patients and I've had actually some patients bring it up to me. They say, hey, I'm living this, I I do this intermittent fasting thing. And then when I start talking to them about it, they're so relieved. I could feel them just get so relieved that I know what I'm talking about. And I said, oh yeah, I I do intermittent fasting too. And then I I ask them about their protocol and, and I give them some advice a little bit about different things. And I have had patients that have said, I'm doing this. I'm trying to count my calories. I just, I have my, I'm banging my head against the wall and I've given them your book. I've actually referred them to Dr. Fung's book, your book, Appetite Correction, and so I've been starting to do that. And that, that's been. You're one of the practitioners that people come to the groups and they're like, I was really scared. And I mentioned it to my nurse practitioner and she said she does it too. <laughs> You're one of those amazing practitioners that people come in the groups and brag about. So that's fabulous. <laughs> 
But the sleep apnea is interesting. I had sleep apnea growing up. I wasn't heavy, but I had my adenoids was, were always really blocked. So, you know, not getting enough sleep is really terrible for our bodies. Have you ever struggled with your sleep related to fasting? The reason I bring that up is because sometimes when people are new to fasting, they talk about having trouble sleeping. Right. I never had trouble following like an OMAD, but I have done probably three times out of the two years. Uh, I've tried to do a like a 42, 58 hour fast just to break a plateau. And during those times I do because I feel a surge of, I, I must be in ketosis. So I think that that probably is part of what's going on with people when they're struggling in the beginning because you're getting into ketosis. So I think it does stable off and, and level off. So I would tell people just to stick with it. The one thing about sleep and hormones, and this is really when I read, I don't know if it was, you talked about it, but I, when I really read Dr. Fung's book, he talks about the leptin and ghrelin. And I mean, I learned that as a, a sleep practitioner that the reason why we want people to get good quality sleep is you know, because those hormones are regulated during sleep. And there's actually been huge studies done that if you're sleep deprived, your ghrelin hormone, which makes you hungry, is very high the next day following sleep deprivation and your leptin. So your leptin hormone, your ghrelin hormones, your cortisol levels get all out of balance. And this is just sleep in general. Of course, if you add sleep apnea to the mix, then that that's really messing things up. So I think that what's happening with fasting is your hormones are getting into balance and sometimes you will see or feel some kind of shifts. And I think that's just your body's way of trying to balance your hormones out. And and hopefully, I personally haven't dealt with, you know, that except for a longer fast, but it could be that. And if it's not that really, once you are fat adapted and you're doing well with your fasting, if you still have sleep, I mean, it could be other things like menopause, um, hormones, and it could be other things, thyroid issues that you'll need to take a look at. But the hormone balance that fasting brings, it it can seem like it's it's causing an imbalance at first, but I think it's just your body's way to try to balance everything out. Yeah. I really love what you you got into about the balance of, you know, your ghrelin, that if you're not getting enough sleep, the ghrelin goes up and that makes you hungrier. And that's just really important for people to understand, people who are struggling. If you're struggling with intermittent fasting and also have had sleep issues, you know, because a lot of people have sleep issues who are not doing intermittent fasting. So, you know, just in general, if you're having sleep issues, that can make it hard to lose weight and it can even lead to weight gain. And that's just one of those things that, you know, you've got to figure out, you know, what's keeping you from sleeping. Right. And those are, you know, when... Some of the people in the Facebook group say, I'm not losing any weight. You really have to look at your stress levels. You have to look at your sleep. I told you I had started yoga and I was going early in the morning and then I realized I wasn't getting enough hours of sleep. So I I stopped going in the morning, early in the morning, and I started going in the evenings some days because you really have to make sure that you're paying attention to those things, sleep, your stress. You know, we live in a life where there's lots of stressors, but I know that I was going through a period of time when there was a lot of stress going on with my son and we moved and bought a house, sold a house. And I think I gained a couple pounds. I don't weigh myself, but I know my pants got a little tight during that time. And then now it's kind of back to normal, but 
thyroid issues. I think I've been doing a little bit of research on more into thyroid because L. Russ, you and the other, you know, she talks a lot about that. So people have to really look at what are all the things that are could be impacting my weight and sleep is, I always say that's the number one thing, of course. And it really is. There's a lot of research. So sleep, stress, it's so important, right? So, you know, if you've got all of those things and thyroid levels, everything's normal and you're still not losing weight, you know, but you got to really look at all that. The part that can be difficult is, you know, things can look normal on paper and you don't really realize that they're just not functioning optimally in the body. And I think that's what Elle Russ, she was on the Intermittent Fasting podcast. That's where you heard her, I'm sure. She's also been on Melanie's Biohacking podcast recently, the Melanie Avalon Biohacking podcast. And just understanding that we're a lot more than just a lab number when it comes to how our bodies are using our hormones, you know, and and whether our thyroid is actually functioning at optimal levels, like for real, you know, you can have this number that looks good, but really is your body using your thyroid hormones? I, anyway, I'm not an expert on that by any means, but I do know that it, it's a huge, I mean, that's huge in our bodies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Right. And I've sort of hit a plateau at several different times along this journey. And like I told you, it's still not perfect. I, tweak things all the time. I was at a plateau for about six months. I felt great and I didn't feel like changing OMAD, but I went to an alternate day pattern for a period of time and that broke through the plateau. I did weigh to check and I, I, I know I lost 10 pounds after that short burst of alternate day fasting. I would like to do alternate day fasting more, but it's hard for me to once you've done one meal a day for so long, <laughs> it's really hard to eat on your up days. I, I always actually tried to eat three meals a day instead of two. And what I realized is I had to eat smaller meals if I did that. But there were times that I would hit a plateau and I felt like, what's going on? And if I ate more food, I felt like my body needed it. Then I would sort of drop weight. And that's when I realized this alternate day, that really does work to break a plateau. It really does because our bodies can, they can adapt to the one meal a day pattern. If we, especially if we have a consistently short window, we really can adapt to that. And our bodies are like, all right, you know, homeostasis, here we are adapting to this. And that's why the alternate daily fasting is so good. But it scares people, just like you're talking about having to eat two or three meals. If you're used to eating one meal a day, and now I'm telling you, I want you to eat at least two meals on the up days. First of all, that sounds crazy because we all know eat less, move more. That's what we've had, you know, drilled into our heads. And now I'm like, no, eat more. You're like, what? <laughs> so the key to alternate daily fasting really is eating more. And sometimes people will try to have a short window on those days. And they're like, well, I tried to have a six hour window and I just couldn't eat a second meal. And my advice is then have a 10-hour window if you have to. Start earlier in the day. Open with breakfast and you'll be hungry later. But don't try to wait too long because we just are so in that diet mindset of, yeah, but I, I'm trying to lose, so I really should eat less, right? But no. <laughs> no, eat more. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is confusing because we're trying to listen to our cues, of you know, our hunger cues. But I did find that instead of that going to a three meal a day, it did make me feel hungry. So I would have something really small in the morning, like maybe an avocado and I don't know, um, an egg or something. 
And then later you're ready to eat. Yep. And then you can eat the, the, you can have the up day because all the research on alternate daily fasting, they were not also doing time restricted eating on the up days. They were not fasting for 47 hours and then having one meal. They were fast day, eat day, fast day, eat day. And so we know that was really good for their metabolic rate. We know they actually ate, quote, more than their caloric needs on the up days, about 110% of their caloric needs. Now, I'm not just talking about base metabolic rate as if you were lying in the bed. You know, <laughs> They ate well. Basically, they, they slightly overate on their up days. Yeah. And I found, I found that that worked best for me too, once I was able to adjust, but it's hard to do more long-term. I thought, I think, so what I kind of do now is some days I have two meals a day and other days I kind of alternate between two meals and one meal. I just kind of go by how I feel, how my day is going. And that's the joy of it all. (laughs) I just, it's, but I always try to sort of do, sometimes I don't try to keep the same window every day only eat dinner which is what I did before because some so some days I'll eat lunch and then dinner and I I do that on purpose because I feel like that alternate day does kind of help to trick your body so your body's not used to it I think so too yeah I'll do the same one day I'll have a shorter window because I was busy and then the next day I find I'm hungry earlier so I end up with a longer window and then it just, you just don't want to be too regimented with it is I think what I'm saying. But, you know, some people find they really like that. But and if it works for you, that's great. But if you find that you're plateauing at a weight higher than you want, just keep in mind that you need to shake it up. Yeah, I'd like to lose a few more pounds, but I'm kind of settled. And I have a lot of stuff going on with my son getting ready to graduate. So I know that at some point when I'm there and I want to try to alternate day again. I may do that, but I just don't worry about it anymore, which is the nice thing when I get there, if I feel like, oh. That is good. Yeah. It's a tool in your toolbox. When you're ready, you'll pull it out, but it's no emergency. It's not a rush. You're not like, you know, like, oh my goodness, I have to make this happen tomorrow. That's the beauty of it. So I know you talked about how you share this with patients here and there. Do you share it with people in your personal life as well? Yes. Uh, it's kind of funny. My my husband. <laughs> He, when I first started it, he said, oh my gosh, you're starving yourself. He's an engineer. And he is totally freaked out with what I was doing. And I said, listen, buddy, I'm going to do this. We're going to, I'm going to do this. Funny thing is about, I had found a podcast and he listens to Joe Rogan. I said, yeah, go on to Joe Rogan. Maybe. So anyways, long story short is my husband actually is a intermittent fasting. He follows one meal a day. I, I don't know how much he's lost, but he he can't. He was a three meal a day. I have to eat three square meals a day, and he just cannot eat three meals a day anymore. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cashback events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? 
Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Can't do it, so... <laughs> Can't do it. No, mine can't either. And if we are on vacation and we're eating more by the end of it, he's like, ugh. <laughs> he just can't do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he's pretty happy. He likes what, you know, I, I think he saw the results that I had. I think it was about three months in. And then he was like, okay, maybe, maybe this does something. And he feels pretty good. And so we both follow a one meal a day. Most of the time we like to have dinner as a family that works for us all together, the kids and all of us. So we usually always have dinner as a family. Did he need to lose weight? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay. But he's had success with that. He has. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, men are so different. I mean, he, he could lose weight by like before he would just stop drinking Cokes or something very simple for me. It was harder, but yeah, he's lost weight and he's pretty much maintained it. And my family, other family, I've told my, my parents, I've given my mom the obesity code and the diabetes code, and she has dabbled in fasting a little bit. It's harder for her because she is on medication. So she doesn't have a doctor that supports it. So, you know, I've kind of given her a little bit of guidance about don't take your medication until you're going to eat because, you know, and so she tries to delay her breakfast and, but she, she's scared, you know, it's different with her. She's on medications and I don't know if she's really dove into the science and, you know, she's read the books, but I don't think she's read all of it. I think she's kind of read chapters and things that I've given her and my dad does too. But yeah, that's great advice for someone like, like your mom, who's taking the medication. If you're diabetic, taking the medication if you're fasting, you can really have like dangerous crashes with your blood sugar. Yes. Yes. So you really have to talk to your doctor. Yeah. And you, that's why you really want a doctor that understands how intermittent fasting can work together with with it, you know, intermittent fasting plus your medications. And so hopefully one day it'll just be standard of care, right? That's what the hope is. <laughs> that's This is really what needs to happen because it just all makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think it could it could really change a lot of people's lives. But the, I do think there are a lot of people, like my dad. You know, if my dad went to his doctor and his doctor said, here's what we're going to do. It's going to be intermittent fasting. You're going to do it like this. I think my dad would say, okay, and he would do it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm his daughter, and he, <laughs> he's like, no, nah, no. That's the same thing with my, my mom. I mean, even though I'm a nurse practitioner, so I think she's looked at me a couple times thinking <laughs> You're not her nurse practitioner, and she gave birth to you, and she changed your diaper, and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what do you know? I know my dad is proud of me, and I know your mom is proud of you, but it's still, I think if their doctor was telling them, it would just be a little bit different, but that's okay. <laughs> is there anything that you struggle with with intermittent fasting in your daily life? I think the biggest thing I struggle with is, like, when we're at it town with my kids and we're at a tournament because they are in sports. I guess it's not really a struggle because I feel like I can eat whatever I want, but I prefer to have sort of whole foods, home cooked meals. And that's sort of a struggle because our lives are so busy and it's not perfect. You know, sometimes I do eat 
whatever on the road. Or I, if we're at a restaurant, I try to always choose something that's nutritious because I want to make sure I'm getting, it's not, it's got to be window worthy again, like we talk about. And you just feel so much better when you're eating those foods. So that's the thing that's so funny to me is when I would go, like, for example, do you ever go to Cracker Barrel? Have you ever been to a Cracker Barrel? Do y'all have that? I used to love Cracker Barrel and Waffle House. And I would go to Cracker Barrel or Waffle House when we were on a trip. And I was so excited to eat there. But right now, if I went there, first of all, I don't really want to go to Waffle House. And that's really sad to me because I always loved it. But if I was at a Cracker Barrel, I would choose something totally different today than I would have chosen five years ago. And like you just said, you're trying to choose the whole foods, the one that's the most like the home-cooked meal, but not because you feel like you have to. Right, right. Just because I want to. Right. That's the shift that's so amazing. I could eat at Waffle House every night if I wanted to, but I would not enjoy it. And I don't think if my myself from five years ago would have believed it. So that's that's a that's a good thing, I think. Now, prior to intermittent fasting, did you enjoy those foods more? Like the, you know, quote, junkier foods. Did you like those types of foods more or have you been more whole foods based for longer? No, I think that, um, well, I guess my husband would say that. I pretty much, I think I like to eat healthy, but I like the junk food too. Don't get me wrong. I liked all sorts of food, but I had cut out sugar before fasting and I had tried really to adopt a more whole foods approach. I had tried to do that too, but it still was like, even though I was trying to have those foods, the other ones still appealed to me. And and the fact that they don't appeal, I think is one of the biggest surprises because I would make a healthier choice because I felt like I had to, but instead now I make the healthier choice because it's the one I really truly want. Like in the past, I would have looked at the bacon cheeseburger longingly and said, oh, I'm not going to get that because, you know, whatever. But now if I want that, I'll get it. But otherwise I might be like, well, today that vegetarian thing over there really is catching my eye. I don't really feel like having the bacon cheeseburger. And that's when that starts to happen, you're like, what? (laughs) Who am I? We're coming to the end. So what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I think I would say that stick with it because it takes a long time to kind of get to figuring out what's going on. And even me, two years later, there's times where I'm like, hmm. I need to start listening to my body when I eat certain things. And don't worry about being perfect because it's not always perfect, but you got to stick with it and just give your body time to adjust. I think if you do that, you'll be fine. (laughs) That's really wise. The not expecting yourself to be perfect and not expecting that it's going to always be easy every day, but not giving up. And knowing that what we're doing is truly the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. And even if you're not seeing that particular side effect yet, you can figure out what it is that's going on in your body. And it could be sleep, could be your thyroid, it could be tweaking your food choices. It could be you need some alternate daily fasting with longer windows, (laughs) but that you have the power to figure it out. Yes. And there was one time where I think that was a long period of time where I thought I had hit a plateau, but then I checked my measurements and I had lost like three inches around my body or four inches and I didn't gain, I didn't lose a pound. And that was back in the beginning when I was sort of weighed. So there just could be some healing going on in your body that you don't know about. So 
you have to just stick with it. I mean, I feel like sometimes people are talking about weight loss around me and I feel like just saying, I have the answer. I have the answer. (laughs) I love it. I do. I say that to people. Like if if someone walked by me on the street, I would be like, hello, I have the answer. (laughs) So we'll just keep spreading that word, keep sharing without fear. And Veronica, thank you so much for being here today. All right. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to talk to you. You're like a star in my book. (laughs) So it's great to be able to talk to you in person. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I appreciate it. And I'll see you around the groups. All right. Bye-bye. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.